0: I would like, uh, any of you would like to move your chairs to just stand up and make yourself comfortable. As Martha has said, this um, this is difficult to read. Uh, it as Shakespeare is difficult to read, I love Shakespeare and I majored in English in college and, and, uh, and yet I, I find that if I read Shakespeare aloud, I get into it and I understand it. The same is true with uh, Pilgrim's Progress. A lot of, of uh, works of that period, because books were rather scarce, were written to be read aloud. So consequently, they read better aloud. And Bunyan, John Bunyan, was a preacher. And he thought like a preacher, and he wrote like a preacher. And I'm writing a couple of books right now, as a matter of fact, and the difficulty is taking words that you use to communicate publicly and change them to to communicate on the printed page. And those of you who have had that experience you understand that there is some difficulty in making that translation now uh, next to Pilgrim's Progress uh, next to the Bible this book Pilgrim's Progress has probably been more widely read than any other book in the English language it has been translated into more than 70 languages and there have been literally hundreds of different editions published in England America and wherever English is spoken for 250 years it has maintained its popularity and it is recognized as a classic it is ranked today by practically all literary critics as the greatest allegory in any language it is the highest miracle of genius said Macaulay Bunyan was born near Bedford, England in 1628. His father, Thomas Bunyan, was a tinker or mender of pots and kettles. John Bunyan learned the same trade and called himself a brazier. His mother was Margaret Bentley, but very little is known of her. Now, according to Bunyan's own account, he was not a good man. He was one of the worst of men, a very foul mouth. another story about him that when he began to curse, the mothers used to come out on the street and bring their children in. He married when he was about 20. His wife was a woman of unusually fine character and a member of the Baptist Church. No doubt partly due to her influence, Bunyan came under deep religious conviction and joined the Bedford Church in 1653, but did not feel certain of his redemption until about 1655. He began to preach and soon became one of the finest, one of the most popular preachers in England. At the same time, he began to write, and his appeal was always to the common people. He spoke and wrote their language, and they heard him gladly. Soon he attracted the attention of some of the ministers of the Church of England. They took offense at his attacks upon them and uh, their ways of living. So on November the 12th, 1660, Soon after Charles II became king, he was arrested and confined in the county jail in Bedford, and here he remained with occasional intervals of freedom for 12 years. They told him they'd let him out if he would stop preaching. Bunyan replied, if I was out of prison today, I would preach again tomorrow by the help of God. He felt keenly his separation from his family, and especially uh, was he concerned about his blind daughter, to whom he was tenderly attached. Bunyan's case was a very troublesome one. They were, a, they were afraid to banish him or to hang him. He would not promise not to preach, so they sent him back to jail. <clears throat> Twelve years in prison, for no fault at all, seems a terrible hardship. Finally, with the political changes that began to occur, Bunyan was liberated September 13, 1672, he then became pastor of the Bedford Church, but he was in demand as a preacher all over England. In 1688, in the summer, Bunyan went to Reading to plead with an angry father. On his way home, he was caught in a rainstorm, took a chill, and died in a few days at 60 years of age. Now, I have not changed And as Martha mentioned, this is my mother's copy, and I've never done this. I've heard her do it dozens of times. And uh, she did it over 300 times, presented this over 300 times. And uh, so I'm going to do this as she did it. I'm going to bring it to you with the help of the Lord in that terse, old Saxon style as if uh, Bunyan himself were speaking as I walked through the wilderness of this world I lighted on a certain place where was a den and laid me down in that place to sleep and as I slept I dreamed. Behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a certain place with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book and read therein, and as he read, he wept and trembled and cried, what shall I do? O oh, my dear wife, and you, my children, I am undone by reason of a burden that lieth hard upon me. I am certainly informed that this our city will be burned with fire from heaven, in which fearful overthrow both myself with thee my wife and you my sweet babes shall miserably come to ruin except some way of escape can be found whereby we may be delivered i looked then and saw evangelist coming to him who asked if this be thy condition why standest thou still because I know not whither to go do you see yonder wicked gate no do you see yonder shining light he said I think I do Keep that light in your eye and go up directly thereto. So shalt thou see the gate at which when thou knockest, it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run. His wife and children began to cry after him to return. But the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on crying life, life, eternal life. There were two that resolved to fetch him back by force. Obstinate and pliable. And in a little while they overtook him. Be content, good neighbors, and go along with me. What said Obstinate? Leave our friends and comforts behind us? Tush, said Obstinate. Away with your book. Will you go back with us or no? No, not I, because I have put my hand to the plow. Come then, Pliable, let us turn again and go home without this crazy-headed coxcomb. Don't revile, obstinate. My heart inclines to go with my neighbor. Come, Pliable, I'm glad you are persuaded to go along with me. Now, I saw in my dream that Christian and pliable drew nigh to a very miry slough that was in the midst of the plain, and they, being heedless, did both fall suddenly into the bog. The name of the slough was Despond. Here, therefore, they wallowed for a time, being grievously bedaubed with the dirt Is this the happiness you told me of? Said Pliable. If I get out again with my life, you shall possess the brave country alone for me. And with that, he gave a desperate struggle or two and got out of the mire on that side of the slough which was next to his own house. So away he went. And Christian saw him no more. Wherefore, Christian was left to tumble in the slough of despond alone. But he still endeavored to struggle to that side of the slough, which was next to the wicked gate. I beheld in my dream that a man came to him whose name was Help. And asked, Why did you not look for the steps? Give me thine hand. This miry slough is such a place as cannot be mended. As the sinner is awakened by his lost condition, there arise in his soul many fears and doubts and apprehensions, which all get together and settle in this place. True, there are, by the direction of the lawgiver, certain good and substantial steps placed, but men through the dizziness of their heads, step aside. Now, as Christian was walking by himself, he espied, Mr. Worldly Wise Man, how now, good fellow, whither away after this burdened manner, I'm going to yonder wicked gate before me for there I shall be put into a way to be rid of my heavy burden. Oh, I could direct thee to the obtaining of that what thou desirest without the dangers that thou in this way will run thyself into. Why in yonder village, the village is named Morality. Morality there dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality. A very judicious man that has skill to help men off with such burdens as thine. By yonder hill you must go and the first house you come at is his. So, Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. But behold, when he was got now hard by the hill, it seemed so high, and also that side of it that was next to the wayside did hang so much over that Christian was afraid to venture farther lest the hill should fall on his head. Also, his burden now seemed heavier. Flashes of fire came out of the hill. He therefore did sweat and quake for fear. And with that, Christians saw evangelists coming to meet him at the sight also of whom he began to blush for shame. thou here, Christian? Did not I direct thee to the way toward the wicked gate? How is it then that thou art so quickly turned aside? O oh, evangelist, is there any hope May I now go back and go up to the wicket gate? May my sins be forgiven. Thy sin is very great, Christian. Yet will the man at the gate receive thee. So Christian went on with haste. Neither spake he to any man by the way. Now, over the gate there was written, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. He knocked therefore more than once or twice, saying, I am come from the city of destruction, but am going to Mount Zion. If you're willing to let me in, I am willing with all my heart, said Goodwill. An open door is set before thee now, and no man can shut it. Look before thee, dost thou see the narrow way? It is as straight as a rule can make it. Are there no turnings or windings? By which a stranger may lose his way? Yes. There are many ways but. They're crooked. And wide. The right only being. Straight. And narrow. So Christian went on till he came to the house of the interpreter. Interpreter. Come in. I will show thee that which will be profitable to thee. So he commanded his servant to light the candle and bid Christian follow him. So interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a very dark room where there sat a man in an iron cage. Interpreter bid Christian to talk with the man. What art thou? I am what I was not once. I was once fair and flourishing. I am now a man of despair and am shut up as in this iron cage. I cannot get out. Oh, now I cannot. I left off to watch and to be sober. I laid the reins upon the neck of my lusts, but now every one of those things bite me and gnaw me like burning worms. I tempted the devil and he has come to me. I have provoked God to anger. And he has left me. I have so hardened my heart that I cannot repent. There now remains to me nothing but threatenings, dreadful threatenings, fearful threatenings of certain judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour me. Eternity, eternity, how shall I grapple with the misery that I must meet with in eternity? Now I saw in my dream that the highway up which Christian was to go was fenced on either side with a wall that was called Salvation. Up this way, therefore, did burdened Christian run, but not without great difficulty because of the load on his back. He ran thus till he came to a place somewhat ascending, and upon that place stood a cross, and a little below, a sepulcher. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian came up to the cross, his burden loosed from off his shoulders and fell from off his back and began to tumble till it came to the mouth of the sepulchre where it fell in and I saw it no more. Then was Christian glad and said with a merry heart, he hath given me rest by his sorrow and life by his death. Then Christian stood a while to look And wonder. For it was very surprising to him that the sight of the cross should thus ease him of his burden. Then Christian gave three leaps for joy and went on singing. Christian went on until he came to three men fast asleep. He went to them, if per adventure he might awake them and warn them. Simple said, I see no danger. Sloth said, yet a little more sleep and presumption said every tub must stand upon his own bottom and so they lay down to sleep again christian was troubled thereabout he espied two men come tumbling over the wall on the left hand of the narrow way. One was formalist. The other was hypocrisy. Why came you not in at the gate which standeth at the beginning of the way? Know ye not that it is written, He that cometh not in by the door, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber? Said they... If we get into the way, what matter is it which way we may get in? If we are in, we are in. Thou art but in the way who, as we perceive, came in at the gate, and we also are in the way that came tumbling over the wall. Wherein now is thy condition better than ours? I walk by the rule of my master. You walk by the rude working of your fancies. You are counted thieves already by the Lord of the way. Therefore, I doubt you will not be found true men at the end of the way. You come in by yourselves without his direction. And shall go out by yourselves without his mercy. But now in the valley of humiliation poor Christian was hard put to it. For he had gone but a little way before he espied a foul fiend Coming over the field to meet him. Apollyon. The monster was hideous to behold. He was clothed with scales like a fish. He had wings like a dragon, feet like a bear, and out of his belly came fire and smoke, and his mouth was as the mouth of a lion when he was come up to Christian he began to question with him I was indeed born in your dominion Apollyon but your service was hard And your wages, such as a man, could not live on. For the wages of sin is death. Therefore, I looked out if perhaps I might mend myself. Neither will I as yet lose thee. Christian then did Christian draw his sword for he saw it was time to bestir him and Apollyon as fast made at him throwing darts as thick as hail which wounded Christian in the head the hand and the foot this made Christian give back a little Apollyon followed his work amain till Christian was almost quite spent. Then Apollyon, espying his opportunity, began wrestling with him, gave him a dreadful fall. And with that, Christian's sword flew out of his hand. Apollyon cried, I am sure of thee now. Christian began to despair of life. While Apollyon was fetching his last blow, Christian reached out his hand for his sword and caught it. And with a deadly thrust, which made him give back, Christian made at him again and again. And with that, Apollyon spread forth his dragon's wings and sped away. And Christian... Saw him no more. Now, as Christian went on his way, he saw faithful before him. And putting to all his strength, he quickly got up with faithful and did also overrun him. So the last was first. Then did Christian gloriously smile. Because he had gotten the start of his brother. But not taking good heed to his feet, he suddenly stumbled and fell and could not rise again until faithful came up to help him. Then I saw in my dream they went very lovingly on together and had sweet discourse of all things that had happened to them. Christian and faithful presently saw a town before them, and the name of that town is Vanity. And at the town there is a fair kept called Vanity Fair. Almost 5,000 years ago, Beelzebub, Apollyon, and Legion, perceiving that pilgrims made their way through this town of Vanity, contrived here to set up a fair. At this fair are all such merchandise sold as houses, lands, Trades, places, honors, preferments, titles, countries, kingdoms, lusts, pleasures, delights of all sorts as whores, bogs, wives, husbands, children, masters, servants, lives, blood, bodies, silver, gold, pearls, precious stones, and souls. the prince of princes himself when here went through this town to his own country. Beelzebub showed him all the kingdoms of the world that he might, if possible, allure that blessed one to buy some of his vanities. Now, Even as Christian and faithful entered into the fair, all the people in the fair were moved and the town itself, as it were, in a hubbub about them. One mockingly said, What will you buy? We buy the truth. At that, there was an occasion taken to despise the men the more. Then, a convenient time being appointed, they brought Christian and faithful forth to trial. The judge's name was Lord Hategood. There came three witnesses. Envy. Superstition. And pick When they had said what they had to say against him, the jury went out. Mr. Blind Man, the foreman, said, I see clearly that this man is a heretic. Then said Mr. No Good, Away with such a fellow from off the earth. Aye, said Mr. Malice, for I hate the very look of him. Then said Mr. Lovelust, I could never endure him. Nor I, said Mr. Liveloose, for he would always be condemning my ways. Hang him, hang him, said Mr. Hedy. Sorry, scrub," said Mr. Highmind. "My heart riseth against him," said Mr. Enmity. "He's a rogue," said Mr. Liar. "Hanging is too good for him," said Mr. Cruelty. "Let us dispatch him out of the way." said Mr. Hate-Light. Then said Mr. Implacable, let us bring him in guilty of death. And so they did. And burned faithful to ashes at the stake. Now I saw behind the multitude a chariot and horses waiting for faithful whose straightway was carried up through the clouds with sound of trumpet the nearest way to the celestial gate. But as for Christian, he was remanded back to prison for a time. He escaped them and went his way. Now I saw in my dream that Christian went forth not alone, for there was one whose name was Hopeful, who joined himself unto him. Now, a little before them was a meadow and a stile to go over into it. That meadow is called Bypath Meadow. When they were gone over, they found it very easy to their feet. But behold, the dark came on. They could not, with all the skill they had, get again to the stile that night. Now there was not far from the place where they lay a castle called Doubting Castle. The owner whereof was Giant Despair. Wherefore he, getting up in the morning early... And walking up and down in his fields. Caught Christian and hopeful asleep in his grounds. Drove them before him. And put them into a very dark dungeon. Then he falls upon them. And beat them fearfully. And counseled them to make away with themselves. If not within ten days. I will destroy you. Well, on Saturday about midnight, they began to pray. A little before it was day, Christian cried, What a fool! Am I to lie in a stinking dungeon when I may as well walk at liberty? I have a key in my bosom called promise. That will open any door in Doubting Castle. Then said, Hopeful, that's good news. Pluck it out of thy bosom and let us be free. The dungeon door flew open with ease. They make their escape with speed. And came to the king's highway again. They went. Till they came to the delectable mountains. Which mountains belong to the Lord of the hills. Now there were on the top of these mountains. Shepherds feeding their flocks. The weary pilgrims went to them. And leaned upon. And rested upon. Their staves. Now, I saw in my dream that by this time the pilgrims were entering into the country of Beulah, whose air was very sweet and pleasant because it was upon the borders of heaven. Here they came in sight of the gate. Now I further saw that betwixt them and the gate was a river. But there was no bridge to go over. And the river was very deep. At the sight, therefore, of this trouble the pilgrims were much stunned. But the shining ones that went with them said, you must go through or you cannot come at the gate. You shall find it deep or shallow as you believe in the king. The pilgrims then addressed themselves to the water and entered. Be of good cheer, Christian, I feel the bottom and it's good. I see the gate and men standing by to receive us. But Christian answered, it is you. It is you they wait for. You have been hopeful ever since I knew you. So have you, Christian. Now upon the bank of the river, they saw the two shining ones again. And a company of the heavenly host came out to meet them with a great shout and the king's trumpeters who made the heavens to echo with their melodious sounds. Now, there was written over the gate in letters of gold, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. The king then commanded to open the gate. And I saw in my dream that Christian and hopeful went in and lo they were transfigured. And they had raiment That shone like gold. The shining ones met them with harps and crowns. in token of honor. Then I heard in my dream. That all the bells in the city. Rang again for joy. And that it was said unto them. Enter ye into the joy of your Lord. I also heard the pilgrims themselves. Sing with a loud voice. Blessing. And honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and under the lamb forever and ever.